Uh, we are continuing our series in Mark. The sermon series, or the sermon today is titled Facing Storms. And if you want to uh, turn to our text, it's Mark chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 35 at the end of the chapter. It's just six verses, so you can turn in that. Storms happen all the time. They happen all the time. And when you least expect it sometimes. Sometimes the weatherman predicts it, but other times... You never saw it coming. That happened to me twice last year. I, I like to run. I had gone out for a run. It's not very far, but I was far from my house, and all of a sudden I saw these big dark clouds come over the horizon. I picked up my pace, tried to get home. Before I got there, the heavens opened up, and it just poured down rain. No, no threat of rain that day that I was aware of. And here it came. Storms happen all the time. And there's a serious storm that's happening at any moment somewhere in the world. A serious one. In fact, Monday, when I was working on this part of the talk, I just did a quick Google search, and I I found this headline about a cyclone that hit Madagascar, and uh, two dozen people died. A cyclone. Now, here's what's crazy about that. As terrible as that is, we won't hear about that Most of us won't hear about that here because it doesn't affect us and it's halfway around the world. We won't hear about most storms like that one. Storms happen all the time. Somewhere in the world there is a storm and some of those storms will do tremendous damage and destruction and we we know that all too well. Just a little over two months ago, December 10th, 44 reported storms over nine states hit the U.S. that day, and everyone would agree the western part of the Commonwealth of Kentucky took the worst hit. 78 of our fellow Kentuckians perished in that series of storms. Storms happen all the time, and some storms bring tremendous damage when they hit. There are other storms, though, that we will never hear reported on the news. In fact, you might be the only one who experiences that storm, storms of grief, an argument with someone you love, a medical diagnosis, a miscarriage, the loss of a job, anxiety, depression, the list goes on and on of these kinds of storms. And these storms can also do tremendous damage. Oh, you might not see it in another person, like you would when a tornado removes a house from its foundation. But trust me, those kinds of storms do horrible damage in other people's lives. While you and I pursue our God-given dreams, we will encounter many types of storms. Some will be mild and some, some will be very difficult. But when we face storms, we need to remember what Jesus said. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, if you are with me, these storms are gonna come, but if you are with me, you're gonna make it. There are three places that you will be with regard to a storm. You will either be coming out of a storm, you'll be found in the middle of a storm, and there is a storm on your horizon. But the one thing we can be confident of, storms are part of our lives, whether we like it or not, they happen. 
And oftentimes, just like my run, unexpectedly, we didn't know it was coming. And then all of a sudden, there it is, dark clouds on the horizon. Last week, Robert taught about Jesus, the teacher. And he talked about how Jesus used parables, which is this unique teaching method that Jesus was a master at. Our text picks up right where uh, Robert left off last week in verse 35. But for the sake of context and to give a, a picture of what's going on on that day, I want to start with Mark chapter 4, verse 1. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So let me set the stage here. Jesus has been teaching from the morning, now it's into evening, and he's been teaching this entire time. The crowd was so large for him to be able to be able to teach, they put him in a boat and they pushed him off of shore just a little ways. And the people were all along the edge of the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's taught for this extended period of time and now he has decided he is finished. And that's where we pick up our text. Verse 35 and 36 says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Jesus makes a request to his disciples. He says, at the close of his talk, he says, let's go to the other side of the sea. And most people think he was probably motivated to to find some kind of retreat from the crowds. You see, Jesus probably after teaching all day long, could use a nap. He was tired. Could use some rest, right? In those times, those crowds that followed Jesus oftentimes were so large that he and his disciples, they didn't have time to eat, let alone find time to have rest or sleep. So he says, let's go to the other side. In essence, let's take a break from the crowd, right? Then we see in verse 37 and 38, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the the boat that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Now, just push pause for a second. I don't know about you, but I admire somebody who can sleep when there's this much chaos going on. Right there, just on a cushion, right in front of the boat. Just taking a little siesta. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, the disciples are not asleep. I mean, they're on high alert. But Jesus, he's napping. And they ask him, Don't you care? Let me back up just a bit. The Sea of Galilee was known for these kinds of storms which would come up suddenly and could be life-threatening to anybody who was on the water at the time a storm hit. These storms were caused by the location of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, there in the Jordan Valley. You had, you had mountains that surrounded it, and thus cool air would come off of the mountains, and it would combine with the warm, moist air coming off of the lake. And that was, that was, the, that was the recipe for a combustible, furious type of storm. This storm must have been a major one because... 
Jesus, uh, excuse me, Mark says that the, this, this storm caused great fear among the disciples. And keep in mind that some of these disciples were seasoned Galilean fishermen who made their living fishing these very waters. They'd seen storms on the Sea of Galilee before, and this one struck fear in them. And while the disciples are freaking out and the boat is taking on water, Jesus is sound asleep. So they woke him up and they asked him, don't you care? They, they accuse him of being apathetic about their safety. Then verse 39 happens. This is a pretty powerful verse. He says, he got up, rebuked the wind, and, the, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Completely calm. The result, when Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves, the result was the wind died down and the storm completely stopped. Which brings us to a key point. Jesus is given the capacity that has the ability and the power to literally just speak and he shuts this powerful storm down. So it brings us to the key point. Jesus reveals his divine authority over the forces of nature. Now it's it's likely that the disciples didn't know this about him until now. And one of the things about this that's so important is that there are lessons we learn in the midst of a storm, and this is a key lesson for them. The Greek text is interesting here because there's a real contrast in the text you don't see in the English language, and I want to give it to you. In verse 37, he talks about the furious squall. That's how he describes the storm. But the literal translation is this, great storm. That's, you know, Mark's really verbose here. He says it's a great storm, okay? And I'm just joking a little bit about Mark's technique. But then verse 39, he says, he describes after Jesus calms the storm, he says it's completely calm, okay? But Mark, the literally says, Mark says, it's just great calm, okay? So you have these two contrasts. You have this great storm, and then Jesus speaks, and now you have this great calm. And the, the significance of this is that you have two extremes here, but Jesus is the one who's directing traffic. Jesus is the person who makes this happen. And I think this is the first time that the disciples suddenly have this aha moment. We'll see in a minute why I say that. Psalm 89.9, the psalmist writes this about God the Father. He says, you rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. He's writing about God the Father, but he easily could be writing about Jesus because now we see he has the same kind of power and authority over nature. In Mark Four verses 40 and 41, we'll wrap up the chapter. Mark writes this, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And that's a pretty strong indictment against them. You still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. There's a, a lot going on in these two verses. Let's see if we can make some sense of it. He says, most readers 
most readers probably are understandable when the disciples have a little bit of you know, problem with their faith. But Jesus wasn't understandable. If they had had faith, they wouldn't have been afraid. In essence, that's what he's saying here. That's faith in who Jesus is, the Son of God, the Messiah. If you, if you put that in context, Jesus is saying, there's no reason to be afraid. If they knew who it was who had accompanied them in the boat, they would not have feared dying in the storm. But once Jesus stopped the storm, then they're filled with a whole new type of fear. The text says they were terrified because they were now in this awe of the powerful, powerful act that Jesus had just done. They see this awesome power of God, truly. In fact, the disciples asked the question, who is this? I mean, they thought they knew him. And they asked, who is this? Which underscores the fact that they don't know his true identity yet. It's starting to come together for them. Like the disciples, you and I are gonna face storms in our lives too. Storms that will wreak havoc and threaten to sink your life. And when storms like that hit, the disciples panicked because their faith was weak. They didn't know who Jesus was. And even though Jesus was with them and they had seen him perform miracles, they still lacked faith that he was actually God. But when Jesus calmed the sea, they wondered aloud, who is this guy who controls nature? When we face storms, do we have faith that we trust that God's track record and his promises are something we can put our faith and hope in? We can learn from the disciples. We don't have to repeat the same mistakes. We should put our faith in Jesus. We can trust him. We can trust him. The Apostle Paul illustrates this. He wrote about a trying time in his life in his letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, he writes this in verses 8 through 10. Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the trouble we suffered in Asia. We had great burdens there that were beyond our own strength. We even gave up hope of living. Truly, in our hearts, we believed we would die. Now, that's pretty bad. He said, we're, we couldn't escape. This is it for us. But this happened, he writes, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises people from the dead. God saved us from these great dangers of death, and he will continue to save us, Paul writes. We have put our hope in him, and he will save us again. Paul explained that why they went through some really tough storms in Asia, that this happened so that they would not trust in themselves, but in God who raises people from the dead. Paul tells us that his faith grew to the point where he realized that even if he died for the Lord, God could raise him from the dead. And the result was this, we have put our hope in him and he will save us again. Paul had faith in God, faith in God, and he learned to trust God in order to survive life storms. It changed Paul. 
He saw God come through, and it changed him. Jesus showed that he could stop the storm immediately. Great storm, great calm. And what was, the, what was the catalyst? It was Jesus. He could stop it immediately. But Paul points out that God allows some storms because there are things he wants us to learn that are learned best in the midst of a storm. James explains one of these lessons that God wants us to learn in our lives uh, with regard to spiritual growth. It's one of my favorite chapters is James chapter one. He says this in verse two and following, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. The storm produces endurance. Let, endure, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you are the cause of your storm, you did something, and it set the storm into motion, I want you to know that God can work in that storm. If somebody else does something to intentionally hurt you, God can use that storm too. He'll work in that. Even when the devil does bad things in your life, God can do good out of that storm as well. There's not a storm that God can't use or work in. Don Cheshik is an author who wrote an article entitled Surviving Life Storms. It's one of the resources I use for this message. And in it, he wrote this thought-provoking line. He just said, God's purposes are greater than your problem and your pain. God's purposes are more important. They're greater than your problem and your pain. And I thought about that, and then I, I recognized the fact, probably one of the most well-known verses is Romans 8, 28, and the Apostle Paul writes this, he says, and we know that in all things, and you should highlight that, that phrase, all things, because what he's talking about here isn't some things, he's talking about it in all things. So we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Is that you? Do you love God? Are you part of his family? Have you put your faith in him? Those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, God is at work on our behalf. He'll take those bad things and he'll make good out of them. He will, we will grow from that. It's a powerful reality. So look past the temporary pain. I'm not saying the pain isn't real. Don't, don't put words in my mouth. I know it's real. But look past it toward the long-term benefits that the storm will produce in your life because God is at work in that storm. So there's, here's what God does during the storm. Very practical from the Apostle Paul. Romans 5, he says this. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
God's working in there. We can rejoice when a storm comes because we know storms help us to learn to persevere and to wait on God, to be patient. Perseverance also develops character, Paul says. And perseverance helps us to trust God more. That's the result. God wants us to learn something in the storm. So every storm is a school and every hardship is a teacher and every difficulty is our develop is for our development. God wants us to learn and grow even in a storm. So here's a question. If you went to the doctor, he might check your pulse or your blood pressure. It's a standard thing and I think this question is one of those standard questions or standard parts of the exam that we should recognize regularly when we're here, and that is, how's your faith? Faith was important to the disciples. They failed the test. They panicked. They freaked out. Even though Jesus was right there with them, he said, where is your faith? So the question for us is, how's your faith? How's my faith? Is it Is your faith where it needs to be? Is it in Jesus? And do you have confidence that he has the ability to calm the storm or to help you learn something through the storm? Or is your faith in something else or someone else to help you in the midst of the storm? Because if it's in something else or someone else, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Those, Those disciples put a lot of confidence in that boat. But when it started taking on water, they totally tripped because they thought this was it. Where's your faith? Many of us are slow learners. I know that's true about me. (laughs) Many times, different chapters of my life. Most of us have probably had to learn something more than once, right? The lesson came back because we didn't learn it the first time, and then God said, yeah, you didn't get it. So here's, here's, uh, you have to take the course over, right? And uh, that's happened to me more than once. But if you don't learn the lesson, God's gonna bring it up again and again in your life. He's gonna give you a chance to grow. God's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. That might be hard to hear sometimes. It's not that he doesn't care about your comfort, but if he's prioritizing things, your character and the growth of that is far more important to him than your comfort. He is more interested in us changing to be more like Jesus than he is in making things easy for us. Being easy isn't always the best. I want to pivot just a second. In contrast to the story here that we've been looking at, the disciples' lack of faith, there is a similar story of faith in the Bible found in Acts 27. Maybe not as familiar a story. The Apostle Paul is in this story, and he is a prisoner on a ship that is headed toward Rome. He is going there to stand trial in Rome. They come to Crete. It's an island in the Mediterranean, and they're, they've stopped there. They're probably taking on supplies for the, the trip to Rome. And it's wintertime, which is the most dangerous time to try to be sailing on the Mediterranean. So... The crew is weighing out their options, and they, they decide that it's, it's safe enough they can, they can make, make the trip. And so we pick up the story in Acts 27, verse 13. This is what it says. 
Then a gentle south wind began to blow. They saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Paul's experience in this moment, in this storm, is something that I think will give us great insight into how to react when you find yourself in a storm. may not be a physical storm, but the principles are still very applicable. And the first insight that Paul gives us is don't drift. It's pretty simple simple axiom, don't drift. A storm can blow you off course, and if, you, and if you drift along, it can take you where you should not and you do not want to go. Very rarely will you drift into something better than where you were. Verse 15 that we just read in the Amplified Translation says this. I thought this was interesting. He says, and when the ship was caught in it and could not head against the wind to gain stability... We gave up, and letting her drift, we're driven along. Letting her drift. Some people will allow the storms they face to dictate their life, but there is a heavy price to pay for drifting. Now, fast forward two weeks. Things have not improved for Paul and his shipmates. In fact, they've gotten significantly worse. The ship that Paul and the other prisoners were on to, headed to Rome was now in the middle of the Mediterranean. They hadn't seen the sun for 14 days because of the storm. They'd been living in total darkness and the crew couldn't get any bearings. They had no idea where they were because they couldn't see the stars to plot their course. And they just drifted along with the storm. The storm is just taking them. And when we face storms in our lives... We may get discouraged, frustrated, we may get angry, beaten down, and we may be also tempted to drift. Drifting happens when you just give up. You quit trying. You quit working the plan. We give up on reaching our potential or we just start drifting through life instead because it doesn't seem to matter. We go along to get along. Life is tough, so we make no effort. Why bother if we're gonna sink anyway? When we're drifting, we simply go with the flow. We don't wanna make waves. We allow the cultural winds to just push us around and the result is this, drifting will take you in a bad direction. Life is tough, but don't lose your purpose when life gets hard. Decide ahead of time, refuse to drift. At one point in the chaos, the crew tried to abandon ship. They started lowering one of the lifeboats. We read this in verse 31. And Paul speaks about it. He says, then he said to the centurion and the soldiers, these are the guys in charge of all the prisoners, unless these men stay with the ship, he's talking about the crew, you cannot be saved. Apparently, the Spirit of God had told Paul, everybody has to stay on the boat. And, and no one's gonna die, but everybody's gotta stay on the boat. Which brings us to the second insight. Stay with the boat. 
Stay with the boat. It, it may be rough in the boat, and sometimes it is, and that certainly was the case for Paul and, and the rest of those on that boat, but it's worse out there in the open sea. So stay with the boat. Today, that means stay with the body of Christ. Don't abandon the church. You'll find that with every group and every gathering, even the, even the church, and maybe I should say especially the church, you will find people or, or a group of people who you disagree with or who irritate you or who you, don't, you, you, you just are totally annoyed by. But don't jump ship just because there are people that you don't gel with. Stay with the body of Christ. It might seem easy to lower the lifeboats and leave but if the storm hits you and you're out there by yourself, you're in a bad place. Who are you gonna call to pray for you or to help you? Who are you gonna hold on to for support or encouragement when you're by yourself? Stay with the boat. When you stay with the church, you'll develop your faith and your character these are two things that God wants you to have and he wants you to grow in. It's always easier to cop out than it is to develop character, isn't it? Developing character is hard work. Now, most of us probably know of someone who has bounced from church to church because somewhere along the way at that first church, a storm hit and somebody hurt their feelings or they got mad because of something that was said or something that happened, so they left and they went to another church. And then that cycle happened again. There was another storm. Somebody may hurt their feelings or they got mad and then it happened again and then again. I want you to keep in mind this axiom. God can change things if we hang in there. He can change things. He can change your circumstances. Great storm, Jesus speaks, great calm. That can happen. He can change things. In fact, he can change you and he can change me in the midst of that. Has that happened before? It certainly has in my life. But he doesn't get the chance to change things if you're always walking out the back door. I appreciate those who persevere. Even when things aren't perfect, they stay with the boat. Why? Because that's the right thing to do. Don't throw out your values that you know are right and important. Don't abandon the things that you know you need in your life. When your instinct says abandon ship, instead stay with the boat, you will find that God will get you through that storm. He can change things. So don't drift. Stay with the boat. And then the third insight that Paul gives us is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Now we get this from the text in Acts 27, one verse, very sad verse. Luke writes this, he says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So bad, so bad. They just said there's no hope. 14 days in total darkness, they don't know where they're going. They're being beat up by the storm. They've thrown all their cargo, tackle, even the food overboard in order to lighten up the ship. And finally, they've reached the point where they've given up hope. Hope is the last thing to go. And now they have basically released that overboard as well. They had forgotten one very important thing. It is this. 
God is in control, even in a storm. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want you to know this. If it's bad, if there's a storm that's rocking your world, I want you to know God is still in control. We see that. We see that in the disciples' story. We also see that in the story of the Apostle Paul. He hasn't left you. You may not feel his presence, but that doesn't mean he isn't there. Even if you're someone who has drifted away from God, you're the cause of the storm. You got into mess over here because you've just been drifting from him. He's still with you. If you put your faith and confidence and hope in him, at some point in your life, you became part of the family of God. He's never left you. The disciples failed to realize what they had. Even though Jesus was asleep, he was with them. He was with them. He will help you through whatever storm you're going through. But you need to trust him. And this starts by putting your faith in him. If you've never done that before, you need to take that step. Say yes to him. So what should we do if we find ourselves in a storm, listen to what Paul told his shipmates in verse 25 of the text. He says, therefore, keep up your courage, man, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I've been told. Paul is basically saying to us, God keeps his promises. Paul had been told that they stay on the ship no life is going to be lost. Now, he didn't say that the ship wouldn't be lost, and we know later that the ship is destroyed. But not one person perished. Paul said God keeps his promises. That's, that's a promise. That's a promise that you and I need to hold on to. That some things might be lost, but you'll be saved. From this life, if you're with Christ, you have a hope for all eternity. Paul summarized this in, the, in his letter to the Philippians. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If, if I'm here and whatever I go through, I'm gonna do it for the sake of the kingdom of God. But if I die, I get to go to heaven. So be it. He had, he'd made peace with that. And this guy got roughed up time and time again because of his mission to make sure everybody knew about who Jesus was and how much they were valued by him. When the storms of life come, you need to know that some things will be lost, but you will be saved. That's God's promise to us. The word of God says this in Hebrews 13, the last part of verse five, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I find great comfort in those words to know that in the midst of whatever the struggle is, he's there, he's not leaving you. Never forget that, friends. Never forget that. When the storm comes, remember, God has promised you. He's right there all the way, every step of the way. Then, I believe because of that, you have a chance to come through the storm. So stand on that promise and trust it. Don't drift. Stay with the boat and hold on to hope. So let me ask you this question and we'll wrap it up. Are you facing a storm right now? Do you feel battered by it? Is it roughing you up? Is it beating you down? Do you feel like you haven't seen daylight in a long, long time? Do you feel like you're falling apart? Like your dreams will never come true? Do you feel like 
You'll never accomplish God's will for your life. I know that's true for some of you in this room because I know because I know the storms that you're walking through right now. Don't lose hope. God is faithful. He's faithful. If it's true that you are in a storm, don't give up. Don't give in to fear like the disciples did. Don't allow yourself to drift from God. Don't throw away your convictions or your relationship with him. Stay with the boat. Don't stop going to church. Just don't stop meeting with God on a daily basis or reading his Bible. Pray and seek God's face for your life. Don't give up hope. You know, the interesting thing, when you contrast these two stories, which I hope in this, in this message, is that Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee and Paul on that prison ship headed to Rome in the Mediterranean, is the contrast here is that the disciples were afraid, even though they had Jesus with them physically. And yet Paul, he wasn't afraid. In fact, what's interesting about Paul is that everything on, about that, that story was falling apart, and everyone in the story was falling apart with the exception of Paul. Why was that? Paul held it together because his confidence was in God and not in the boat or in any other person or anything else. It was in God and God alone. His promises from God were driving what he was doing and he held it all together and and ultimately everyone survived what could have been a terrible, terrible tragedy. When you find yourself in a storm, even in a storm that you may have brought on yourself, especially if you brought this on yourself, Take responsibility for what you did that caused the storm and then change your direction. If you've been drifting, it's time to turn this thing around. The Bible uses the word, it says repent. It means to just make a 180. You've been going that direction. Now's the time. Let's go this direction. Ask God to help you change. If Satan brought the problem into your life, it's simple. The the encouragement is simply resist the devil. Resist what Satan is trying to do to you. And if God has brought this storm into your life, and there are some storms that he brings along, I want to encourage you to trust God. Trust God. In fact, regardless of the source of the storm, if it's you or, or the devil or someone else or, or God, the, the thing that I want to encourage you to do is put your faith and hope in him. Trust God. Ask him the simple question, God, what do you want me to learn in this situation? Let's learn the lesson. He'll show you. Put your confidence in him because he has authority over everything you and I will encounter, even the storms of life that we will face. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for these stories. Give us great insight into how you work and and what you will do in the midst of even some of the most difficult times in our lives. God, I thank you for your authority over our world and how you have all this power to do what you decide to do and you will do what is right and what is best. Lord, we praise you for that. Jesus spoke and the storm immediately stopped. God, may we never forget that. Help us to have faith that even in the middle of the storm, you have control over all of it. Lord, I pray for those who haven't 
yet put their faith in Jesus because we have this hope that Jesus is with us. He said, and never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That is a tremendous encouragement to those of us who are part of your family, Lord. But I pray for those that aren't, that they would take a step to make Jesus Lord and Savior their life. God, I pray for them to have the wisdom that they need to make a good decision, not pressured, but a decision where they truly have courage to step into a relationship with you, asking that you would forgive them through your grace that you would wash their sins away. And then God, no matter what happens, you're always with them for all eternity. And you will be with all of us in the middle of life storms. I pray that, God, in the name of Jesus.